Chris Herring is a genius for saying Rudy Gay is his sixth man of the year. Talking about his return and more here on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm JP Chunga. You are listening to the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz NMLS 3112 Equal Housing Lender. We're going to talk about Rudy Gay's return, and you're also going to hear from Kristen Ledlow, TNT sideline reporter for Tuesday's game. We got into the W-2 because it's something that I'm passionate about, and frankly, I enjoyed watching the playoffs last year. Fun to see Candace Parker get her championship. But didn't think that the conversation would steer it that way. It did. And she also gives some thoughts on the mindset of the Utah Jazz heading into this year. So you'll enjoy that. But Rudy Gay, he's back for Chris Herring to say that he would be sixth man of the year. There's a little crack on the top. That's why he was on the show, because he's a genius, a seer of things that others do not. It was the addressing of needs. What do the Jazz need more? They need more versatility. And what does Rudy Gay provide? It's that. Exactly that. And he had a dream debut. And I know you, you want me to sing the hosannas of how the season has changed, but I'm not so sure it fixes everything in the moment. It's fascinating to see this team at this time, because Ledlow talks about it later, catching them in the midst of losing four or five, where things are down, it's November, they need ways to respond to that. And for them to get a weakened Sixers team, a Toronto team that's young, it helps bolster things, but isn't completely the fix. Once they go against a switching defense, like a Miami, like the elite teams in the league, that's when we'll see if they fix everything. And frankly, postseason, can they get it done? But Rudy Gay, he evolved himself from being a 20-point-per-game scorer in his second year to what he is now, which is a valuable role player, leader in the clubhouse for six-man of the year. He's evolved, unlike Adele, who creates the same song every single time. Why did Adele catch a stray? I'm not sure. It's her big day. Had to bring someone down. No. The album's fine. I'm just saying, if we have a sacred cow that we can't say anything bad about, we need to not have that. And if it's for you, it's for you. But I want to see more evolution, more than seeing a picture of her on vacation. Shout out to Adele. Good sports fan. Roots for Tottenham Hotspur out there in the English Premier League. So she's on top of it. But back to Rudy Gay as we get to the focus. That evolution is why the Jazz have covered him for so long. Quinn brought it up in the pregame before his debut. He went over to try to recruit Rudy onto this team before he made his decision to go to San Antonio. He has value in being able to stretch the floor, and you saw it. He had that. The spacing looks better. He's taken threes from further out. It's not just towed up on the three-point line. He took one that was pretty deep. Going five of six, can you do it any better? I guess six of six. But that spacing allows more drives for Donovan, allows more drives for Mike. He played in the Eric Paschal minutes, and I don't think it's a death knell for Eric Paschal. He can still provide something for this team later, or he could be a spot duty player. But Rudy Gay did exactly what the Jazz need to show 
in versatility, getting more versatile players. He had a moment where he bullyballed uh, Mihailuk for a foul in transition. Like he leaked out quickly, got the ball down low, used the veteran guile to draw the foul, and he goes to the line. That's a play that I, I could see in my head Eric Paschal doing if he were given that role. You can use your bully ball. You can use that. But the difference between the two is that three-point shooting number. Right now, Pascal, 28%. Compare that to a 35% career three-point shooter. That's why he was so coveted. That's why they treasured getting this signing in the offseason and what he can bring. Not only being a good locker room guy, but factoring in that part of it of having size and shooting ability. Because he can grab rebounds. He didn't stop the ball when it got to him. He passed. It was him that had a ping-ping with Joe Ingles for a lob to Rudy Gobert. But don't buy finals tickets just yet. Don't put money on Rudy Gay to win sixth man just yet. A lot more season to go. And I want to see the small sample size theater expand. Season continues. Monday's going to be an anticipated game for me to see how he deals with Jaron Jackson Jr. or Xavier Tillman, how he can handle a pick and roll if John Morant is heading downhill. And then, of course, tomorrow night against Sacramento, who's had a bit of a rut with the way that they played. They've got, according to the Athletics, some people looking at Luke Walton's job, but in Sacramento, seems like that always happens. And with Luke Walton in the position, seems like that has always been the permanent state. But the early returns are good. And that's what you have to expect out of a professional. Professional player, been in the league for a long time. He knows how to play. Headline, give Chris Herring some thanks for explaining why he picked Rudy Gay for his sixth man of the year, as flimsy as of a picket that it was. His reasoning, of course, you can listen to it here on this podcast. We had him on a couple weeks back. Check it out. Herring on Rudy Gay. Podcast also brought to you by Fanatics. For authentic Utah Jazz player gear, including jerseys, shorts, warm-ups, and more, visit fanatics.com slash jazz game used. That's fanatics.com slash jazz game used. Get those game used jerseys. Five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Round Ball Roundup on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, just check it out. I want you to hear from Kristen Ledlow. She's been covering basketball for about a decade, seen where the game has gone, and she's connected to the women's game as well. So here, the former basketball player, Kristen Ledlow, on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. Now let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders, Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out at First Colony Mortgage. Okay, I actually knew in advance that was happening because I went to shoot around for the jazz that morning and he and I were set to just have five or six minutes off camera just to get a little bit more that I could add to the broadcast during the game that night. And he walked over to me and he was like, this isn't on the air, right? 
no. Heat that morning was significantly worse than at the end of the night. And he was like sipping tea. And I, I believe he had like this hot tea and honey. And he's like, I'm trying to get my voice there. And I'm like, it's fine. This is not going to be, you know, like this is just between you and I, we're, you know, we're talking, we're having a conversation. And I'm sure as the day goes on and then sure enough, he's the player of the game and we're it's like this running joke at this point because I point to him as he's walking off the floor and he kind of laughs like oh so I do have to have my broadcast voice on (laughs) he sounded like Tibbs at that point after a game (laughs) I think he said that he sounded like Shaq and he yeah very much sounded like Shaq yeah <laughs> well, it, it is good to have you back on the sidelines, especially when the Jazz Thank have a, a big game on the schedule. It's good to see you on it. Let's get into what led to that that moment. Where did this start for you as far as wanting to be a sports broadcaster and ultimately why basketball? Why is basketball the thing that really drives your passion? Yeah, um, well, you obviously have seen me in person I think a lot of people who see me on tv assume I am the regularly sized woman standing next to these very tall athletes I'm not I'm nearly six feet tall and so when people see me in person it's like oh you're much taller than we assumed I say that to say I've been this height since I was 12 or 13. So naturally the basketball court was not only the only place that it seemed to be an advantage as a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grader, um, but it was, it was what I fell in love with. I started playing basketball when I was eight years old. Uh, my mom and dad met playing basketball and they were my first coaches on my very first team. And, and I, I fell in love with the game and, I knew that I wanted to do something in or around the game of basketball. I didn't know it would look like this, Um, but I, but I knew I wanted to work around the game for good. And so I went uh, to college with kind of that mindset and and took just a, a wide variety of courses across communication, you know, be it marketing or public relations, or, you know, I was kind of thinking, well, what is it that I could do? Um, And then when I started taking broadcast classes, and it was my freshman year uh, playing basketball, obviously for the women's team, then I would shower, change clothes, and help broadcast the men's games immediately afterward. And that was when not only had I fallen in love with the game itself, but I fell in love with covering the game and, and looking to tell the stories of the players and coaches uh, that I got an opportunity to be around that I thought, you know, maybe our audience would care about this too. And, and it started there. Um, and I guess there's a big old gap of time between that and, and this conversation, but <laughs> that is where it all began. Yada, yada, yada. I'm here right now. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so that uh, fast forward a few years, this. Yeah. <laughs> Who were those first players, coaches that got you inspired into NBA or even professional basketball? Yeah, I uh, am a native Floridian. I lived in Florida the entirety of my life um, between Tallahassee and the Orlando area. 
And my first experience with the professional game was not only with the Orlando Magic, but with the WNBA franchise, the Orlando Miracle that existed and was conceived there when I was a young girl, um, going to their basketball camps and, and having the opportunity to just see that, oh, I can play the game also, you know, at the highest level, you know, and, and, and so that was my first experience with, um, the professional game. But then when I was in college uh, and applying for internships, um, just in places that I knew, frankly, I had somewhere that I could probably live or a friend I could perhaps crash with, um, I uh, reached out to the Orlando Magic and its local broadcast team. And I loved more than anything, the Dante and Galante show that covered the Orlando Magic games pre and post game. And they covered like, they covered everything. They did the, the, like the summer league games. And I, I mean, they were just so funny and, and, and so creative and so talented. And um, a friend of mine at, uh, at school, I say a friend of mine, he was the athletic director. We've become friends as adults, but at the time he, uh, <laughs> he knew um, the, uh, the, 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 the show, he knew them. And, and so he took me over for the afternoon um, to, get to know them. And that was the start of not just my love for the professional game, but for its coverage as well. And then my very first internship was with a local television station in Orlando, uh, just so happened to be in 2009 when the magic went to the finals as well. So that internship went a little bit longer than expected uh, because magic coverage went a lot longer that season than expected. And that's, uh, that's where it started. I have a cat named magic still now to this day, my newborn son has a Orlando magic teddy bear with his name on the back. And so they were my very first experience, not only with the professional game, but, but what it took to cover it well. And the coverage has become so nonstop nowadays. Oh yeah. Right. With yeah, this that league. Was, right. yeah. That was when there was like, you know, an actual show that you <laughs> prepared for. And then the show happened. And then the next one you had was maybe the next day and perhaps even the next week. Now, of course, as you've mentioned, NBA coverage is around the clock, 365 days a year. And even with the W, the W's coverage has gone exponentially. It, it's Without grown. a doubt. And that's such a cool thing to see as well. Um, Renee Montgomery and I host WNBA Weekly um, on NBA TV during the the W season. And one thing that we talked about in nearly every production meeting just this summer is that the coverage needs to mirror that of the NBAs. For a long time, it, it seemed like it was very um, celebratory in nature. It's look how good this is. Isn't the product great? Why aren't you watching? At this point, I'm not trying to sell you on watching the game itself. Basketball fans and those who know the game know that the product is a good one. We're not here to sell the product. We're here to cover this league. And so we instead started, not only can we analyze and criticize, but let's talk about perhaps the Twitter beef that's happening behind the scenes and the outfits as they're walking off the bus and into the arena. All of that makes up that 24-7 coverage as well. And even I heard this uh, on a podcast from Kate Fagan, the great reporter, about how oh, patron yes. how patronizing it is to say, "Oh, this is a pure game. Look, right. look how awesome right. these cuts are." 
<laughs> no, just accept it for the game that it is. Yeah, that, and, and that's Enjoy. not coverage. That's yeah. cheerleading. You know, exactly. we're going to cover it. We're going to cover it in the same way that we cover the NBA. What I've been amazed by, at least the W, is how how much of a leadership role they are in in social activism and trying to push things further than they've they can go. I, I'm wearing the shirt right now. Trans people belong in sports. Lacia Clarendon of the W. How impressed are you with with the voice and platform that they're using in their league? I hate. I, I feel like this is the the second answer that I've given you back to back name dropping and the big names in the league itself. But uh, I also work with um, a little known name in Candace Parker, and Candace and I have this conversation often. And one of the things that she says well, and I'm sure I am not going to be able to say it as well as she does, is we we being the WNBA are the the majority of the minority. She said, you know, whatever it is. In, in each space that considers itself to be voiceless, there is one of us in the WNBA. So this isn't just about fighting for themselves. This is about representing those who have been up underrepresented up to this point and who have felt as though they are voiceless. And instead, these professional athletes whose platforms are growing as the coverage is, whose voices are getting louder as those platforms are growing, and they're speaking up as well. I can't wait to see next year in the W just to see if Emma Mieseman is back. She's uh, the reason I follow the W. Oh, is she? All right. Yeah. A couple of uh, finals ago, she she played like uh, one of my favorite players in the NBA growing (laughs) up with the jazz, Memento Kerr. And I said, bang, that's the player I'm going to follow in this league. I love that. You know, what's funny is Candace long ago was that before I got to know her. And the first time that we met, um, I, I like, I was trying so hard to be cool. It's like, okay, don't hug her. Uh, she doesn't know you back, you know, like what? <laughs> and so to like fast forward now, all of these years later and see that like, you know, it's just very regular that she's sitting next to me and talking to me about all kinds of things. I, I, it just, it, it still, as you can hear, I mean, listen to me, I'm, I'm just, I can't wrap words around how much I have loved Candace long before I knew her. And now, I, I mean, it's, and to watch what she did this season, delivering her hometown, its first ever title. It's just, I, I still can't believe, I, I really still can't believe she did it. I really can't. And coming off of a defense player of the year, no, I season. I, I, I can't. I still can't believe it. The year before, she's she's amazing. Hall of Fame uh, player, and I'm sure. Oh yeah. Working on oh, that yeah. Hall of Fame broadcast career. Oh yeah, without a doubt. You were at Jazz Sixers on Tuesday. This is uh, a year following up for Utah, where they had the best record in the league last season. Your initial thoughts and your first watching of the Jazz live this year. Yeah, uh, you know. It, they were coming off of having lost four out of five. Uh, one thing that was communicated very clearly when I was at shoot around that morning, uh, both by Donovan, by Rudy, um, by coach Schneider as well is, you know, if we're going to have a stretch like this, like most teams in most seasons do. Uh, it's better to have it in November than it is to have it 
and to have this conversation come February, March, and April. So they all seemed to be on the same page in regards to dropping a few in a row, but I asked, um, you know, about a sense of urgency. And I said to Rudy, I'm like, you know, that, that may be an overused phrase because a sense of urgency, perhaps this early on, you know, 12, 13 games into an 82 game season, eh, maybe it's not the right. And he said, no, that is the right way to put it. He said, we have that. He said, if we lose one, then no, that doesn't exist. He said, but we've lost a few and we have winners here. And I loved that he said that because it wasn't just excusing, ah, it is November, because it's easy to say it that way. He made it very clear to me, this is the difference in being first in the West or dropping to third and fourth. And, and then we talked about the play-in tournament. Like, absolutely not. Like, this is not a team that wants to, to flirt with the one game play in in order to secure a playoff spot come down, you know, the final week of the season. And so, you know, I, I kind of got the sense that morning that this was a team that it, their own expectations for themselves, I believe at this point, exceed that of those who are not only watching, but covering them as well. And so to get a chance to get to talk to them, I think after a losing streak was, it was really unique. You know, it was, it, frankly, we're, we're sent there often because the team is good, you know, and, and so you don't have the chance to, to talk to them after losing a few in a row or, or to, to find out what it feels like when their backs are against the wall. So it was a really cool thing, not only to, to peel back the curtain and get a, get a look into what a, a practice looks like the days following several losses, but also to get a chance to listen to their mindset and the way in which they're approaching this season. Um, one of the things that Donovan said Tuesday morning as well was that, uh, you know, we, we got to get back to doing um, what got us here. And then he kind of walked it back. And, and I, I said this on our TNT broadcast that night. He said, you know, maybe I shouldn't say that because we haven't won a championship, but we've got a really talented team. And so this is a team that I don't think is just even expected to contend for a championship from the outside, but one that expects it of themselves as well. Now, Tuesday night's matchup may not have been the uh, most clear picture of, of um, what they're capable of and, 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 and really even what the Sixers are capable of on the other side either because they were so short-staffed. But to me, what was most um, special was watching the way in which they responded after having faced such early adversity in a season. How Bucksy is it feeling around the Jazz? Because when I look at the way that Giannis had to ascend to his big championship moment, he ran into the wall, playoff failures, uh, having it all be put on the line that run last season, he finally breaks through and he does it for one of these non-glamour markets in the NBA. That's a great, I love that you used that as a descriptive term, how buxy is it feeling? <laughs> yeah, no, it's perfect. Um, it's interesting. I think from the outside looking in, the assumption is a certain level of talent will lead to a certain number of wins and those certain numbers of wins should lead to successful playoff runs. There is so much more that goes into a successful 
run in the postseason. Like it, it's it's not the same as winning during the regular season, which we've seen in seasons past. Thinking of just the this is my ninth season um, covering the NBA with our network, and so just thinking about let's say the last decade and the teams that have been at the top for as long as they have. It is much different than those who have won a lot in the regular season. If we were to go back and look in that last decade, the teams that won the regular season were actually not always, even if maybe not the most often, the team that went on to win the title. Because there is so much consistency required. And that consistency has to remain the same level of consistency when you run into adversity, when you run into uh, several losses in a row, or, or when you're down 3-1 in a playoff series. Or, and the ones that aren't shaken being down 3-1, like LeBron, or going into the playoffs, expecting to contend, but not having topped the Eastern Conference like Giannis. Um, and I'm naming those guys individually, but of course, these are the leaders of teams that all bought into this as well. And so you say that, um, and, and, and where my mind goes is what it requires to produce consistency, um, to produce consistently on the floor and to remain consistent off the floor. That to me over the years is what has stood out about teams that go on to win it all. And that to me, I will say is what I left jazz shoot around on Tuesday morning feeling like about this team. It wasn't a team that was ready to, to throw each other under the bus in front of the media because they had lost several. Um, and we frankly have seen that in the past. It was a team that seemed as though, um, this is not a reason to be rattled. It is November and not March. We're having the conversation now, not because we're so unconcerned that it is November, so why bring it up, but instead because we're going to address it now so that in March we are better. And that was one of Rudy's responses to me in the walk-off in his given very raspy and Shaquille-esque walk-off. Um, he said, you know, we, we do this now, and this is what we've learned from the process of losing in these last several games, so that come playoff time, we go further than we did last time. And, and so just having witnessed, and that a little bit of a LeBron pun there, having witnessed sustained greatness over the last decade in the NBA and what it takes to get there and to stay there. Um, it is consistency both on and off the floor despite circumstances and the great ones, the great leaders like Steph, I'll add him to that, uh, to, to, to that conversation as well and his teams, of course, that have dominated the majority of this last decade. Um, it is the great ones that do that regularly and the teams that buy in and are all in. Um, those are the ones that, that go on to win at the highest level and, and to sustain um, like the, the window to win is always much smaller than I think teams expect it to be. And to, so to sustain greatness for, for that long in this league, that it is not easy to win at all. Um, that's that to me is, is what has made the difference. Well, if Rudy can turn the voice into the player, Shaq the voice into Shaq the player, I <laughs> yeah. think the jazz will be okay. Yeah, if be that right. happens. No <laughs> yeah. Kristen Ledlow, 
host and reporter for Turner on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. Kristen, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for inviting me. It was great to talk to you. Thank you.